Welcome to Casey Sports Beat. I'm here with Rustin Dodd, and we're going to talk a little Kansas basketball. I'm Blair Kirkhoff of the Kansas City Star. Jayhawks are coming off of a 79-73 loss to Michigan State in the Champions Classic up in Chicago. They go to Maui for the Maui Invitational uh, Thanksgiving week. So let's look back first, Rustin, at at, um, at the Michigan State game. It was the Jayhawks' second game of the year. They'd beaten Northern Colorado in the opener pretty handily. I think it gave people a, a pretty good sense of this uh, this team. And I, I thought going in there was a pretty high confidence level for Kansas against Michigan State. Am I reading that right? Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, if you – if you watch the Michigan State game, they they played well for 30 minutes, um, and I think it, it went at least for that 30 minutes like a lot of people maybe envisioned it going. Um, you know, they were they didn't play you know great on offense, but they they scored, they got some stops, and they twice built uh, double digit leads. They got up by 13 points in the first half, sort of let Michigan State back into it, and then we're up again uh, by 11 with about nine minutes to play before it's just sort of kind of got away from them not I mean not, they they stopped playing well and then obviously Denzel Valentine had a triple double and kind of took over the game in the last few minutes but but, but I think they I mean they did the confidence level that you're talking about I, I think it did kind of show up in flashes and then it sort of just sort of disappeared too all right let, let's let's take it in two parts let's talk about how they built the big leads uh, like you said uh, 13 in the first half and 11 with about nine to go and then and then we'll talk about what happened in those final nine minutes um I, I thought they did a great job running their high-low early on. Mm. Perry Ellis was a big factor as as they built that lead. A lot of things going well. It, it was sort of the, the 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 Kansas was playing the way that we expect this Kansas uh, team to play in getting that uh, in, in getting those double-digit leads. Is, is that what you saw? Yeah, and I, I think we've seen, and I guess this is a positive sign for Kansas that when Perry Ellis plays against. A front court that's manageable, a front court that doesn't necessarily have you know six ten, six eleven, or seven foot. Um, he's in pretty good shape, and they were playing without Gavin Schilling, one of their one of their starting big guys. So they they were playing kind of a smaller lineup. So it was a, it was a pretty good matchup for for Perry Ellison for the Kansas front court, and he played. I thought he played really well. I mean, he was strong, he was confident. Um, I, I've been impressed with him the first couple of games. Um, you know, you, you had high expectations, obviously, but I think he's he's certainly lived up to those um, so far. Okay, so uh, you know, he hits his first four. I think four, four or five shots or something. They they really do come out of the gate pretty pretty hot. Um, I'm trying to think of the uh, perimeter. Mason was playing well. Yeah, and Carlton Bragg hit a couple of yeah, jumpers. Yeah, the, the, and, and you know, they the, just they the freshman a couple yeah. fifteen footers. I thought I I didn't know he had that. Yeah, game. that was that, impressive. That's sort of his kind of forte. I think what what he can bring to him and what you can kind of see down the road with the, with the talent and the skill set. But yeah, he was hitting jumpers. Uh, you know, Frank Mason wasn't playing well. I don't think he was shooting well from the floor. But they were they were playing at the pace they want to play. They were they were you know pushing the ball. Devonte Graham. Um, he's not shot the ball well and I think a lot of people kind of point to those numbers so far and say well he hasn't played very well I think he's defended pretty well and he's been active I think he's probably tried to do too much especially on the offensive side but I don't think that he's been as big of a kind of a weakness as maybe the numbers kind of point to so far and I think they controlled the tempo they got they were really turning Michigan State over which is something Kansas hasn't done a lot traditionally in the last few years and they were you know they were definitely the better team uh, you know there were still the flaws and I'm sure sure we'll get to those but um I think there was a lot of good stuff to like and even Bill Self said after the game this was a game that 
sometimes when they lose, you know, that he has sort of different moods. And this was one of those games where he ne- wasn't necessarily in a bad mood or he didn't show it. It didn't seem like he was really disappointed compared to, to what you might have thought after after losing a game like that. Okay, so they get the uh, – I, I thought the kind of the first sign of trouble was Michigan State down 13, got it close – not close, but had whittled into it by halftime. I think it was six or so at halftime. But Kansas extends it out early in the second half. And, and gets it to 11. First of all, go, going back to the first half, I, I thought there were a couple of chances for Kansas to even build on what they already had. They, they had some empty possessions with a, an 11 and 13 point lead. But, but anyway, they have the lead at halftime. They, they take Michigan's best shot. They, they restore the double digit lead with about uh, nine, 10 minutes to go. And then look, Denzel Valentine is a heck of a player, and he had the best game of his career and uh, triple double, second one ever against Kansas. But 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 Kansas on on the offensive end, I thought had some 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 issues. And what what did you see? Uh, kind of kind of go through the checklist of, of, of things that you saw uh, that, that where Kansas was flawed coming down the stretch. Yeah, well, I'm, I think if you if you just look big picture and you can kind of point back to last year, it was sort of on the offensive end the same flaws as last year. Um, they didn't. I, I think they finished thirteen of thirty three on layups. Um, and I, that's unbelievable. Th- yeah, and I think that's so maybe a liberal definition of a layup. Maybe there's some kind of runners and some other shots in there that that are counted in that. But I I counted in the box score 11 missed layups in the second half, um, and those are are primarily it's sort of an equal opportunity <laughs> missing of the layups. I mean, Landon Lucas was one of six uh, from the floor, um, or maybe one of five, but he was let me yeah one of five from the floor. He had two points. But those are all, you know, point blank shots that right. he that he's missing. Wayne Selden was not uh, necessarily kind of plugged in. He he did shoot the ball well from the outside, and he had a big three hey, late. I want to I want to talk about him but, later. But he was he was not good converting inside, and that's sort of been his consistent bugaboo in his career is, is getting in the lane and not being able to finish. So their guards weren't finishing inside, and there was there was no interior post presence to score aside from Perry Ellis and that's sort of been the issue uh, even going back to last year there's really nobody scoring opposite of Ellis and if the guards aren't making threes um, you know it, it's they can kind of go through some dry spells you know they had you know I, I wasn't thinking about this on Tuesday night but if you remember last year some of the wild swings that Kansas would have I mean they would have a 19 point lead and give it up and then they would have, you know, they would come back from, you know, 18 or 19 down. Yeah, exactly. They did that last year. And I think that was sort of along the same trend. Um, they they were up, and then they sort of kind of stopped scoring for a little bit. And I guess if you want to look at it from an optimistic point of view, I think Michigan State hit their last five shots from the floor in the last five minutes, and three of those were three-pointers. They had a true freshman, Matt McQuaid, who made two threes in the final five minutes. I mean, they, they sort of made everything and made every play. Um, and so you got to tip your cap, I guess, in some regards. But I think if you look back at the entire game, there were so many missed opportunities uh, for Kansas and, and some of the same flaws kind of popping up. Yeah, the, the, the threes were open because Kansas had to help on, on Valentine. Um, yeah. That left, the, left, uh, uh, that, that left the, the, the shooter open. Look, there are a lot of things to, to, to really break down. Let's, let's get to those in, in just a moment. Hey, this is Blair Kirkhoff, and I'm here with Rustin Dodd, and we're breaking down Kansas, uh, the, the Jayhawks' loss in the, cha- in the Champions Classic to Michigan State, 79-73, to a game in which they led 
oh gosh, for about 35 minutes of the game, it seemed to me. Um, okay, so we're in the we're in the second half, and 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 Kansas has the double digit lead, uh, and 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 they're losing it. Michigan State's cutting into it. Uh, Denzel Valentine has the, the game of his life with. Um, uh, with his triple double, but it seemed to me with with him, the assistant rebounds came first. His scoring came late. Uh, a lot of his scoring. I think he had 16 points in the yeah, last. Yeah, and I think at one point, he, at one point, he was at about 13, nine and nine with about seven or eight minutes left. So it was couldn't stop. Him. Yeah, I mean, he scored. I think probably 10 points in the last five minutes or or close to that. I mean, a lot of that offense was late. It was uh, it was a great performance. Take nothing away from Valentine. It really, I, I think, when the college basketball season is over, it'll stand as one of the the best perform- individual performances uh, of the year. But um, one one of my one of my takeaways from the game was uh, you, you've you've said it and you've convinced me of it that right now it doesn't seem like there's a lot of difference between this year's Kansas team and last year's team. Which look. Last year's Kansas team was a Big 12 champion, and you know a, a two seed in the NCAA tournament is was, was a very good team. Um, you know, the, the Kelly Oubre is not part of this team. Devontae Graham's in the starting lineup, but but there is no rim protector. There's no big guy to really take the pressure off of uh, Perry Ellis and and have him play kind of a, a little bit smaller than than what he's being asked to play right now. I thought that showed up in the in the last few minutes of the game as Michigan State was coming back. Wayne Seldon. Uh, I, 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 don't, I just don't know what to make of him right now. In the Korea, the, the summer in Korea, South Korea, was you know supposed to be a uh, you know a, a real kind of rejuvenation for him and the way he plays, but I, I, I thought he had a really poor game yeah. against the Spartans. And, and this is something that doesn't quite show up in the box score because um, I mean if you look at his final line, I think he was uh, he actually I think it was in double figures because he ended up hitting some threes and had some free throws, but. You know, if, if, for instance, if you look at Devontae Graham, the way he played against Michigan State, he had a, a poor game. He was like one of ten. Um, he, he didn't make shots. But if you, he's active. I mean, you can kind of see him out there trying to do stuff. Wayne Seldon, it just seems like he sort of disappears for stretches. Like you're not even really sure he's on the floor at times. And I, I don't quite, you know, early on in his career, you can you can sort of, you know, he's young, he's finding stuff out, but. The first two games, there has been sort of that same kind of trend with him where there's stretches where he just doesn't really do much. Um, and I, I think that's kind of a, you know, an alarming thing. You know, there's overreactions, especially early in the season. Sure. It's two games. Sure. Um, but I, I do think it's something to watch with him um, if he's able to sort of find what he found in South Korea. Um I think he's two of eight inside the three-point line in two games so far. So not a lot of not a lot of sample size, but still that the same kind of issues of not being able to finish. You know, he's shooting the ball well from three-point range. The things he does well, he's he's a good outside shooter. Um, I think if he was a you know engaged on defense, he can be a you know an adequate solid defender. And he, he's got the the body to rebound. He hasn't been doing that either. So I think if he almost focused on just those strengths. Um, you know, he could be a serviceable, solid player, but um, when, when he gets, you know, driving into the lane and, and, and that kind of thing, he, he really does kind of struggle. I think that's a good point because he loves to drive. I mean, that's, yeah. that he, I think he thinks that's his game, and, and imagine it was when he was in high school yeah. and when he was dominating that level of an opponent, but he, he he's not a great finisher. He just isn't, and he doesn't beat guys off the dribble. It's always contested. So often he ends up on the ground with no foul called. 
You know, yeah. he, he doesn't shoot a lot of free throws. So he, he Kansas really gets nothing from him going to the basket. And the other thing that I notice about him is when uh, what he doesn't use his left hand when he goes to the basket. And I, I, if he could use his, you know, uh, you know, use both hands when he goes to the basket, I think he'd be more successful. We just don't see that happen that often with him. It's um, it, look fairly or unfairly, the expectation for him is a little different, too, because yeah. of his recruiting ranking. He came in as a five-star prospect. He was going to be a one-and-done guy. Uh, when he came here, he's just not that player, not that kind of player. Um, but now I think you make a good point where he's got to play to his strengths. And 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 I think Kansas would be well-served by identifying those strengths and having him play to that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if you know, you could have um, – Somebody else was making this point the other day, but for instance, they have other guys that can come in and kind of be floor spacers and and, and jump shooters and Brandon Green and um, and Svi Mikhailuk. But you know, the thinking I think is that you know Selden brings other things. He he can he can defend a little bit better. He's you know experienced. He has those things. But when he's not necessarily doing those things, then it's then it's sort of like you know why you know what what is he bringing to the table? What is he adding to the to the you know to the equation and I, I do think it's maybe like you said there's a little bit of unfair expectations put on his shoulders you know I don't know that he necessarily needs to be the you know the first or second or even third best player on Kansas for them to kind of reach the ceiling of what they want to be but um, the first two games obviously seemed like he's been a little been a little bit lost out there you know and here's something else and maybe maybe this is just me but my I thought one thing that Kansas had going for it going into this season was even if the the roster didn't change much, uh, and this was, you know, even with Diallo and Bragg and Vic and the, the, the incoming class, they were going to be a year older, a, a year more yeah. experienced. You know, that was going to be the, the, the Kansas strength. Mason, Graham, Selden, Ellis, Trailer, all those guys, Green, uh, Svee. It, it, and especially in the backcourt. And, w- w- you know, I just think that a team, I don't care who your opponent is, if you've got a double-digit lead with 10 minutes to go on a neutral floor with an experienced backcourt, you don't lose that game. I mean, you No, I, I think I think that's dead on. Um, there, there were two things I was thinking about coming out of that game. One was that. I mean, that's for a Kansas team with the experience that they have, and you would think that this would be the year that they would be kind of hit the ground running. You know, they wouldn't need a lot of time to get comfortable with each other because, you know, every year you talk about, or, you know, Bill Self talks about that, you know, a team finding itself and and all those sorts of things. Well, these guys have played together for the last two or three years. A lot of these guys, I mean, they're comfortable out there. They played 10 games last summer. You would think this would be the year that they can sort of hit the ground running a little bit. And two, you know, Kansas suffers from, totally out of whack expectations <laughs> i mean totally un, uh, totally unfair to to the to the rest of maybe compared to the rest of the college basketball world but that's sort of the way it is and i think if you're a kansas fan and you come into this season thinking okay you know lost in the second round the last two years but this is a, a team that's veteran it's got deep talent it's got you know guys that can do different things all over the floor it's versatile and you're thinking okay this is sort of going to be the team that gets back to the the three or four or five loss season you know right. one seed conference title final four contender 
Um, and I think if you have those expectations when you're losing to Michigan State in the second game of the season, it's Michigan State. So it's, but it's sort of a gut punch in terms of what you thought this team could be and then what they show you the second game. And, and, I, and I will you know, mention, I guess this was three years ago when they lost to Michigan State in the Champions Classic. Um, you know, they had that game, too. I think they led at halftime. That's right. And, they, and that team rolled off an 18-game winning streak, you know, right on the heels of that. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's early. Hey, and it's and again, it's Michigan State. It's Tom Izzo. They were in the Final Four last year. They're in the Final Four every other year, it seems to me. It's a great program. And I really admire Tom Izzo and, and Michigan State. It's, it is a heck of a program. Um, so, yeah, maybe, we, you know, we, we can talk a lot about what, what happened, you know, I think the thing that bothered me was like that game in Atlanta a couple years ago. They had the lead. They had the lead with an experienced mm-hmm. team and, and couldn't hold it. And I loved what you said earlier about the wild swings that this team had last year. I remember the Utah game at, uh, at Sprint yeah. Center where they led like 19 at halftime and ended up losing the lead and had to, had to come back and win it in the end. And I didn't think this team would, would, would have that, you know, would, would be like that. Yeah, and I, I think if there's – I mean, this is sort of just thinking off the top of my head, so maybe this is wrong, you know, but uh, – I think if there's a reason for that, it might be that they just don't have the consistent interior scoring that a normal Bill Self team has had. Um, they didn't have it last year, and it's the same kind of personnel inside. And they want to play through their bigs. I mean, Bill Self is not going to change his, his general philosophy. They're going to throw it inside. Um, and so when you come away with nothing on some of those possessions, I think you go through kind of stretches where your offense kind of struggles to score. They shot... 15 threes the other night but they three of those were in the last 30 seconds of sort of desperation time and you know if there was one there were a few questions that you could ask I mean Hunter Mickelson didn't play um he he was a guy that looked pretty good in South Korea Bill Self said you know it was it was sort of a matchup game that Michigan State the way they defended inside he liked Landon Lucas in the matchup the way he he plays and is able to seal inside and sort of some inside basketball stuff and then Brandon Green only played nine minutes and didn't and, and didn't, didn't shoot, yeah didn't attempt a three uh, he was defended well I, I, yeah. I always you know like Tom Izzo in Michigan State you, 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 I, you pay a lot of attention to Brandon Green so I was following him when he was in the game and he there weren't opportunities for him to it, it would have been contested threes yeah so they they kind of took that away and it it's sort of interesting. I mean, people can look at the three-point numbers and say, "Well, they didn't they didn't take enough threes." I, I think Michigan State was. I mean, they've they've scouted Kansas. They know what they do, um, and I think they were taking it away a little bit more than maybe you would think. Considering people think, "Well, Kansas plays inside out," but I think teams understand that this team gets a lot of offense from their outside, and they were they were taking some of that away. Okay, so Kansas uh, the the season continues early next week in Maui. Kansas is a regular in Maui. Every every chance they have to yeah. go to Maui, which is like every what four years. Every four years, yeah. Uh, they're there. I actually went to a. Um, I covered the nineteen ninety six Maui Invitational, uh, the the Jacques Vaughn, uh, Ray Lafrenz, Paul Pierce team, and and they rolled. They I think three. I I think I read that's the only time Kansas has ever won in Maui. It may be, maybe yeah. they ever they, they. I remember a couple of years later they. So they've gotten to the final and, and lost. They got to the final the last time they were there. They lost to Duke. Duke in a, in the a really final. good game, yeah. I remember. They that beat UCLA in the, in the semis and beat yeah. uh, Duke in the final, or lost to Duke in the final. Thomas Robinson was sort of yeah. the coming out party for him. So okay, so they get Chaminade. I guess that's the that's sort of the bonus you get for being the, the the best rep, having the best rep going to Maui. You get Chaminade in the first game, and assuming there's no Ralph Sampson like upset, uh, Virginia upset uh, by Chaminade like there was back about 25 years ago. 
Kansas will get to the second game, and we'll see either UCLA or UNLV. And I think the bracket sets up pretty well for Kansas because UCLA. Um, I mean, they they suffered a loss to Monmouth uh, yeah, the yeah, first open, week yep. of the season, so I think they've got some issues going on. UNLV, Kansas is familiar with them. They played them last year at home, and they're going to make the return trip to Las Vegas next year. Um, so that's sort of a, a team. They've got some talent. They, they um, Dave Rice recruits well out there, and they'll, right. they've, they've got some young talent, but it's, again, a team that's probably trying to sort of come together. And then on the other side of the bracket, you have Indiana – I guess looming in the for a p- possible championship game, um, but who, I think who else is on that side? Uh, St. John's plays Vanderbilt, and Indiana plays Wake Forest. Wake Forest, yeah. Danny, Danny Manning's right. Wake Forest club. So, so I, I mean, I think it sets up for Kansas to not only potentially win that tournament, but also get some um, some solid victories under the, on their resume. You know, uh, nothing. You know. You know, be eye popping out there, but some, especially just traditional powers and some some solid wins. Okay, and just real quick, you you were looking at the schedule before we started this thing. They they they're they're playing late, right? Well, yeah, local time out there. I think they mo- they have mostly afternoon games, but then that translates into yeah. So I think it's going to be eight o'clock central for the first night on Monday, and then the next two nights, assuming they would win. Uh, I think they'd be 9 o'clock Central games. All right, so there we go. Um, follow the coverage of the Jayhawks and all of college basketball in the print editions of the Kansas City Star online at kansascity.com. And follow Rustin Dodd's coverage of the Jayhawks. This is Blair Kirkhoff. Thanks for listening to the KC Sports Beat.